to uh, begin with uh, one of my favorite stories, and, and I've, I've told this story here a number of times. I think the last time was about a year and a half ago. So if you weren't here in a year and a half ago, maybe, maybe you haven't heard this one, but um, there's an old story about a priest named George Thomas. And uh, George was just walking down the street one day and uh, came across a, a young boy, maybe nine, ten years old, and he was carrying a, a birdcage, a rusty old birdcage. And as he got closer, he saw that in the birdcage, he could see that there were three birds, three uh, uh, kind of shivering, cold, uh, malnourished birds, very, very fearful birds that were at the back of the cage, all kind of huddled together. And George asked this boy, what, what do you plan to do with those birds? And uh, the boy said, I don't know, maybe tease them for a little bit, maybe pull their feathers a little bit, and then I'm going to feed them to my cat. And uh, George said, I would like to, I'd like to buy those birds from you. And the boy was just shocked. He said, why would you want these old birds? He said, they're not even songbirds. And George pulled out some money. I think it was a $10 bill. And the boy grabbed the money immediately and was gone. George took the cage of the birds. He went to a, a beautiful park nearby, put the birdcage on the grass, and he opened the door. And he kind of had to tap the cage a little bit to... To, to coax the birds to come out. And eventually, they started to fly away. These weren't songbirds, but George swears that he heard them sing, redeemed, redeemed, redeemed. That's what God did for us through his son Jesus. He redeemed us. He set us free. Look at Colossians chapter 1 and verse 12 to 14. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. How many of you know this morning that Jesus rescued you, that he freed you from your captor? This is one of the benefits that, that Pastor Murray was talking about, of our relationship with Jesus Christ. One of the benefits is redemption. Psalm 103, 1 to 4, this is our, our theme verse for this series of, of forget not your benefits. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit. And crowns you with love and compassion. 
God redeemed your life from the pit. He saved us from certain death. What a God. What a Savior. Amen? Hallelujah. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for your presence here. I thank you for all that you've already done. Now, God, I just pray that that we clearly hear your voice this morning. That we're not interested in hearing from anybody but you, Lord. We want to hear the voice of the one who loves us the most. And I pray that everyone here, no matter where we're at in our relationship with you, God, we might not even know you, but I pray that all of us are going to hear the voice of the Lord today and that all of us are going to respond to the voice of the Lord today. In Jesus' name, amen. Today I want to talk about our redemption you know, to fully understand and appreciate our redemption, we need to first understand our condition before we knew Jesus Christ. So I'm going to read some scriptures here, and, and they're going to help us to appreciate who we were before Jesus. Because to know the magnitude of God's love and God's grace We need to first understand and know the magnitude of our sin. Because if we understand the greatness of our debt, then how much more will we appreciate that great debt forgiven? Amen? So Ephesians chapter 2 in verses 1 to 3 says, Once you were under God's curse, doomed forever for your sins, You went along with the crowd and were just like all the others, full of sin, obeying Satan, the mighty prince of the power of the air, who is at work right now in the hearts of those who are against the Lord. All of us used to be just as they are, our lives expressing the evil within us, doing every wicked thing that our passions or our evil thoughts might lead us into. We started out bad, being born with evil natures, and were under God's anger, just like everyone else. This is who we were before Jesus. 1 John 3, 8 says, The person who does what is sinful belongs to the devil. That's because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. Romans 6, 16 and 17 says, Don't you know that when you give yourselves to obey someone, you become that person's slave? If you're slaves of sin, then you will die. But if you're slaves who obey God, then you'll live a godly life. You used to be slaves of sin. Jeremiah 17 and verse 9 says, The human heart... Is, most, is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. The Lord Jesus appears suddenly from heaven in flaming fire with his mighty angels, bringing judgment on those who do not wish to know God and who refuse to accept his plan to save them through our Lord Jesus Christ. They'll be punished in everlasting hell forever separated from the Lord, never to see the glory of his power. 
How many of you have that scripture memorized? <laughs> Look at Romans 2.5. But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you're storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. So this is who we are before Jesus. This is our condition before Jesus. Here it is. We're under God's curse, doomed forever. We belong to the devil. Satan was our master. We were slaves to sin, held captive by the power of sin. Our heart was terminally and incurably wicked. Our future was hell, forever separated from God the Father. And we qualified for the just wrath of God. And his just wrath is absolutely an appropriate response to a godless, wicked, unrepentant, stubborn heart that rejects Jesus as Savior and our Lord. That's who we were in sin. In sin, we were helpless and hopeless with no way out. See, redemption implies a helplessness. There was nothing that we could do to free ourselves We were just as helpless as those birds in the birdcage. We couldn't help in our redemption and our freedom. I like what Sinclair Ferguson wrote. He said, the only thing of my very own which I contribute to my redemption is the sin from which I need to be redeemed. The only thing we contribute to our redemption is our sin. That's it. Well, thanks for coming, everybody. That's the end of my message. This is great. Appreciate it. Take care. No, that's not the end of the story. How many of you are so glad that's not the end of the story? (laughs) But our redemption, please hear this. Our redemption was only possible because God so loved you and me. That he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That's why our redemption is possible. Hallelujah. There's nothing we can do. Look at Revelation chapter 5 and verse 9. And they sang a new song. Saying you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Hallelujah. You know that word redeemed in Revelation 5, 9? It's it's the Greek word agorazo. Agorazo actually means the marketplace for slaves. That word redemption literally means to purchase or to buy You know, the amplified version of Revelation 9, it it translates redeemed as, and with your blood you purchased people for God. The NLT version says, your blood has ransomed people for God. 
So God is teaching us about redemption through this concept of slavery. How many of you have seen the, the movie? It's in the theaters right now called Woman King. I think it's called The Woman King or Woman King. Okay, a couple of you have seen that movie. This was a true story about a tribe in Africa who in this tribe, their greatest warriors was a group of women. And they were called the Agoji. The Agoji. Remember that? And they were fierce and they were powerful and they were impressive. Is that true? Those of you who've seen it? I would not want to run into an Agoji ever. I'd be toast. Okay? And so the main conflict in this movie was over the slave trade between Africa and America. And at one point, two of, of Agoji's greatest warriors were captured and they were put into the slave market. And so they were imprisoned, they were mistreated, they were beaten, they were put on the auction block. And when they're on the auction block, uh, potential buyers would come up and they would inspect their teeth like they were some kind of livestock. And they were disrobed. And they were mocked and they were humiliated. And these two amazing warriors went from a position of honor and respect and power to a position of absolute worthlessness. They went from greatness to nothing on that auction block. How many of you know that is exactly what Jesus did for us? Philippians 2, 6 and 8 says, Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. The NIV says, he made himself nothing. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Jesus left heaven and entered the marketplace for slaves. That's what Jesus did for you and I. He went from greatness to nothing. He went from the highest throne to the lowest seat. And he was beaten. And he was humiliated. And he was disrobed. And he was scourged. And he did that so you and I could be redeemed. So we could be set free from our slavery to sin. Ephesians 1.7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. What a God. What a God. What a Savior. So God made a payment to purchase our freedom. That means you were bought at a price. Many of you know 1 Corinthians chapter 6. You do not belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price. This is very important for us to understand, okay? Although 
although we were slaves to sin, although we belonged to the devil, God never paid our captor. He didn't purchase us from the devil. Satan was not the one who demanded the cost. And let's be clear, he can't demand anything from God. Amen? He doesn't have the power or the authority to do that. Just like an ant can't demand anything from you. But at any point, you can choose to end that ant. That's the relationship between God and Satan. So God didn't make a payment to Satan to free us. But it's actually God who commanded the cost. Look at Romans chapter 3 verse 23 to 26. Yes, all have sinned. All fall short of God's glorious ideal. Yet now God declares us not guilty of offending him if we trust in Jesus Christ. Who is who in kindness freely takes away our sins. For God sent Christ Jesus to take the punishment for our sins and to end all God's anger against us. He used Christ's blood and our faith as the means of saving us from his wrath. In this way, he was being entirely fair. Even though he did not punish those who sinned in former times, for he was looking forward to the time when Christ would come and take away those sins. And now in these days also he can receive many, he receives sinners in the same way because Jesus took away their sins. But isn't this unfair for God to let criminals go free and say that they are innocent? No, for he does it on the basis of their trust in Jesus who took away their sins. Hallelujah. So God made the payment to himself to satisfy his own demand of righteousness because his righteousness demands punishment for sin. And so he did that. He offered Jesus because he is a just and righteous God. He can't ignore injustice. He can't ignore sin. It would be unjust. It would be unfair of him to allow that sin to go unpunished. But Jesus fully met all the requirements of the law. He was the unblemished lamb. So God was able to condemn our sin through Jesus, the perfect sacrifice. Look at Romans chapter 8. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. We couldn't stop sinning. In fact, when the law came, what happened? We started to sin even more. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this, watch this, so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied. It's a just requirement because our God is a just God who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow 
the Holy Spirit. The price had to be paid. Jesus was our propitiation. He was the payment to satisfy God's righteousness and God's wrath. And what Jesus did is he removed God's disapproval from us. Jesus reconciled us to God. By doing that, Jesus purchased our freedom. Look at Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13. Christ purchased our freedom and redeemed us from the curse of the law and its condemnation by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs crucified on a tree on a cross. So I say all that to say this. (laughs) Jesus got us out of the slave market. There's a beautiful story about this in the Bible, about Hosea and Gomer. God called Hosea to marry a prostitute named Gomer. Gomer doesn't seem as popular a name today for young ladies. (laughs) I'm not sure why. It's lovely. So because he was called to marry a prostitute, he had to buy her out of the slave market. So he did that. They get married. They have three children. But then Gomer falls back into adultery. And she falls back into prostitution and back onto the auction block in the slave market. Then after some time, God calls to Hosea. And I want us to read it in Hosea chapter 3. I'm going to read it from the message. I like this translation for this scripture. Then God ordered me, start all over. Love your wife again. Your wife who's in bed with her latest boyfriend, your cheating wife. Love her the way I, God, love the Israelite people, even as they flirt and party with every God that takes their fancy. And so Hosea was obedient But we need to understand with Gomer, going back into prostitution, going back into the slave market, that means she would go onto the auction block. She'd be sold. A man would buy her. He would use her and abuse her and then put her back up onto the auction block and sell her back to the slave market. Until another man bought her from the auction block and used her and abused her and then sold her back to the slave market, back to the auction block. This would happen again and again and again. And if you can picture this, this moment with Hosea, so Gomer is standing on the auction block and now she's older and worn and maybe no one was bidding for her and she's standing there humiliated and she's full of regret and shame and and guilt and she's hurting and she's broken and she feels so dirty and she feels so unworthy but 
But then she sees a hand raise in the crowd. It's Hosea. He says, I'll buy her. Whatever it costs. I want her. I love her. And he pays the price and he goes to her and he reaches for her. And Hosea pulls her off the auction block forever. That's what Jesus did for his bride. We were like Gomer. We were lost in our sin and we were standing on the auction block and Satan sold us again and again and again to sin, to greed, to lust, to pride. We're bending to the enemy's will. We're used and abused. We're hurting and we're broken and we're full of regret and guilt and shame. We feel so dirty. We feel so unworthy. And we have no hope. But because God loved us so much, There's a hand raised. It's Jesus. And he says, I'll buy her, whatever the cost. I want her. I love her. And Jesus pays the price. And he comes over and he reaches for us. And he takes us off the auction block forever. What a savior. What a God. And now in Jesus, our position, our condition has changed. Now in Jesus, we're free from God's curse. We, be, we now belong to God the Father we're now slaves to righteousness. Our hearts are now clean and pure and holy. Our future is glory. We qualify for his love and his acceptance. And we can boldly walk now to the throne of grace. Hallelujah. And now we can sing. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed. There's three things I want you to take away today. Three things that when you leave, I want you to take them with you. These are three things that you can absolutely know 100% because of your redemption. Number one is you are dearly loved. You are dearly loved. God's entire plan of redemption rests on his love for you. It's his love that reached down into the pit. It's his love that brought him from glory to the slave market. It's his love that sustains you now and will welcome you 
into eternity. You are dearly loved. Number two is you have value. You can know from your redemption that you have value. You are God's masterpiece. He values you. If he didn't value, if you didn't have value, listen, the price, the cost would not be so high and God never would have paid it. But it's because you have value. You're dearly loved. You have value. And you need to hear this today. This is for more than one of you today. Number three, you are not beyond redemption. You're not beyond redemption. You've been lied to. You've been lied to. You are not beyond redemption. There's nothing you have done that disqualifies you. Have you ever thought of this before? What if we could be charged criminally for our thoughts? We'd all be on death row. Is that what you said, Mike? That's right. That is 100% true. I'm just telling me personally, I would be incarcerated. (laughs) So if I can be redeemed, you can be redeemed. There's nothing you've done that disqualifies you. Listen, if you were the only person on this planet and God needed to die again for you to be saved and redeemed and set free, he would do it. He would do it. Hallelujah. What a God. What a Savior. Amen? Amen. I just feel like this morning that God is, is reaching for, for some of you. Um, I just want to give you an opportunity this morning. If, if you've never known Jesus as your Savior... And, and I'm not talking about, you know, yeah, I've, I've been to church lots. Yeah, my parents, they, they're whatever denomination, I, so I'm good. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you personally. If you've never personally invited Jesus to be your Savior, to have a relationship with God through his son Jesus. If you've never done that, I want to invite you to do that now. I'm just going to invite everyone just to close their eyes. We're just going to take a moment. We're almost through here. Let's just close our eyes. Let's bow our heads. Just with no one looking around this morning, I just want this to be a private thing this morning. It's... It's not always going to be, but but I feel like it should be this morning. And so if if this is you, if if you during that message just felt the Holy Spirit say, I love you. You help 
if you felt the Holy Spirit reach for you, if you felt a pull in your heart, that's God, that's Jesus. And you might not understand what this is all about, and, and that's fine. God can help you with that later, but, but this is just an opportunity to come into relationship with God through his son, Jesus. So if, if, if you would like to do that this morning, I'm going to invite you to raise your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. I'm just going to invite everyone to pray this prayer with me. If you feel comfortable to pray this prayer, I'm going to invite you to pray it with me out loud. Um, and and uh, if you raised your hand this morning, and, and maybe you didn't, maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you know that this is for you. You know that, that you need God. You need Jesus. I'm going to invite you to pray this prayer with me this morning. Invite everyone just to repeat after me. God the Father, thank you for your Son. I believe in Jesus. I need Jesus. Forgive me for my sin. I want to be in relationship with you, God. Help me to know you and love you as you know and love me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let the redeemed of the Lord say hallelujah. Hallelujah. (laughs) Amen. Invite the worship team back up. Nick. Are we doing that, that game song? Yeah. So we always start our service in praise, and we're going to end our service in praise. And I'm just going to invite you to respond today. I'm going to invite you to just praise and worship the Redeemer today. In Jesus' name.